for anyone interested in RC airplanes. We'll share tips and tricks on how to build models and talk about successful flights, epic crashes, and everything in between. Visit us at rcplanelab.com to sign up for our email list and to ask us questions. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please help us out by rating and reviewing us in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for spending time with us today. Now here are your hosts, Ron and Tom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the RC Plane Lab podcast. I'm Ron. And I'm Tom. How you doing, Tom? Wonderful. I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up. <laughs> okay. Happy birthday. Oh, well, thank you very much. You just turned... Half a century. Half a century old. Yep. I mean, you're like well over the hill. Well, I prefer to think <laughs> that the best years are the ones yet to come. There's just fewer of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Ron. No, happy birthday, though. 50, that's a, that's a big deal. That's awesome. Well, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a milestone. I remember, it's been probably about a year ago, your wife was talking about wanting to do this big surprise party for you and all that kind of stuff. And right. we didn't even see you on your birthday. I mean, it was just like... You know what? Nobody saw me on my birthday except for Lori and the kids. With with the way this whole yeah. weirdness is going. Right. Like, and that sounded like it was going to be a fun party. It really did. So just to let everyone know that I'm kind of a private person. I don't like put a lot of that kind of stuff out there. And uh, normally I don't like a big fuss made over my birthday. And uh, so I told Lori she really wanted to go all out for my 50th. And uh, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll agree to this on, on one condition, that I can do the same for you when you turn 50. Uh, so that was, that was the deal. And unfortunately COVID had other plans, but. Well, that's probably what she wanted. Cause she, she likes a big party. So she likes to. She does. Have people make a big deal about that. So. Yeah. Not for her. She doesn't like big. Oh, really? Deal. No, no, no. She's, oh. she doesn't want anybody fussing over her either. Oh. So, but that's, that was the arrangement <laughs> we had. Yeah. So both wanted to do something that you didn't want to do so you could do it to somebody else. Exactly. I like how that works out. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah. But thanks, COVID. Happy 50th birthday. Thank you very much. Maybe we'll have a big party for 51. I'd rather not. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. As monotone as I can get. Happy birthday, Tom. Uh, you're 50 and uh, congratulations. Thank you very much. I'm glad that uh, I'm happy to have made it to 50 years old. Well, some things I did in my youth, I'm not sure I would have thought I'd ever made it this far. <laughs> well, here's to the next 50. Congratulations. Thank you. So, airplane stuff. Let's let's talk yeah, let's about talk airplane about some airplanes. stuff. What did you do on your uh, on your do list? Got yeah, we had uh, had a nice long weekend. I had Friday off and then had the Monday off too for the holiday, which Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. so 4 days off, you would think that I got a lot done and it doesn't look like I got a lot done, you know, when, Folks will see the pictures hopefully soon on the website, but I did, I do have one complete wing now. So I joined the two panels and I got the gear, uh, cutouts, uh, done and the gear, uh, the wheel wells lined and, um, got all that done. And so now I have one complete wing. Yeah. It, it with seems retractable gear. That's the important part. So it, it seems like. Like when you came over and you saw what I got done. So I, I was I, very excited when I saw what you got done. <laughs> well, it, it's, it looks more impressive than it actually is because like all the stuff you're doing your wing, I'm not doing to my wing. Like I don't have any of the gear cutouts. I don't have any of the air stuff I have to run. I don't have any of that stuff. Yeah, but you have, well, essentially you have four nacelles <laughs> cut and built. 
um, ready for what appear to be ready for mounting. Well, two are going to be the final ones. Um, and then the other two are just going to go in the burn barrel. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, this is, this has been a learning experience. There's, sure. there's a lot, um, of firsts for me, especially. Well, and, it, and basically you're redesigning the airplane for electric power. Yeah. I mean, really? So, right. So the, deviating from the plans quite a bit. The the sizing for the nacelles had to change quite a bit because that's where I plan on putting my batteries. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's quite a bit longer. And that, that really kind of gives me a little bit of uh, uh, concern, like for finding the CG when it's time to do it, because batteries are going to be heavy and that's going to be very, uh, very four of the, oh, yeah. the CG it's, or ahead yeah. of the CG, if it's I said that right. It's definitely going to be forward of the CG. Um, so I don't, I've got to try and figure out what I'm going to do. Like I know when I do the the tail and stuff, instead of doing uh, the stick built, whatever you call that. Stick built. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do like solid sheets yeah. just to give it a little bit more weight in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, Put but the servos I, back there maybe too. I might. I mean, I'm going to have to do something because yeah. I need to it's get gonna some tail be, weight. It's going to be nose heavy. I don't want to use lead. Yeah. I mean, I, I probably am going to have to. I hope not. But I, I don't want to. Yeah. Um, no, but so with the nacelles, I ended up, I started off trying to do it out of Falcata. It probably would have worked great with that had I finished the laser first. So our laser is too small for me to do that in one piece. Um, and in order to get the shape down and stuff and actually get it glued together, that glue joint's not strong enough to get the curves in it to make it. Um, Even if you key the joint? No, like okay. I, I, yeah, there's okay. just no real way to get, um, get an even curve with that much glue on it, with that much extra structure, I okay. guess, going into it. When I doubled that up, then I could actually get that curve a little bit, but that falcata is so strong. I'm not comfortable with as much pressure yeah. on that, you yeah, know, as I would have to have with, with You've the learned glue. a thing or two about how much balsa and falcata, you know, how it responds to too much pressure. I don't know. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> um, I have. How many wings have? Well, I guess just one. Really. I've only crushed one. Crushed. Crushed one. Uh, bent one, and have one that works. Yeah. So yeah. maybe I should do a triplane, like a. That'd be kind of neat, oh, wouldn't it? Oh, that would be cool. And six motors. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> no. awesome. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get this plane done and and Fair flown. Enough. Um, but anyway, so with, uh, with the Falcata, like I said, it was just too strong really for, for what I was using, uh, using it for. So then I went to Balsa that worked fine. Um, and that's kind of what I ended up going with. And I think it lines up pretty good. It looks pretty good on yeah, there. Yeah, it looks so. very good. I was or, very excited when I looked over there and saw that on your table. You were you were like a kid in a candy shop. I was kind of surprised when you walked in. We'll start. Like, it's it's your looking, eyes like yeah, lit up. It's and, looking more and more like a duelist every day. <laughs> every time I come over, there's it looks more and more like a duelist. It's it's getting there. There's just a little bit left to do. I mean, like really, I'm far along on that compared to where I would be if I was doing everything that you're doing on yours. So the only things I have left to do on that really is do the uh the sheeting on the trailing edge yep and that's not going to take much the at cap all strips the yep. cap strips to for finish the, it off yeah the cap strips on that and then the uh wing tips like i'm cheating and not going to do them out of blocks <laughs> it's because not cheating i'm deviating again and, and well and that's fine because you're deviating almost every part of the plan <laughs> because you're going electric and making it for electric i mean the nacelles are longer much longer a different shape even yeah slightly <laughs> um 
you know, compared top and bottom. I mean, your wing is constructed differently. I mean, so far the fuselage, I think, is is still per the plan at its present state. Uh, yeah, as it sits now, yes. it is. So I think I'm going to do the canopy to the plans as oh, opposed okay. to like you're doing a little bit different with your canopy. You actually bought one that's going to go on. Right. I think yeah. I'm going to try and do mine. Uh, built up. Built up. Like and then the so instead of it being the curved stuff, it's going to be more of an angular. Yeah. I don't know why. I kind of like that. So we'll, yeah. we'll see how that turns out. Yeah. If and I don't like it, I'll do something else. Yeah, but it's probably pretty light too. It looks like it's fairly lightly built. Yeah, there's not a lot the that goes into it. There's just yeah. a couple extra pieces that go on to really what's there now. Yeah. So it yep. should be pretty easy. Um, and you're doing you're doing a tail dragger, which so is going to make it. Yeah, so you're not going to have that that nose uh, gear weight in the front either. Oh, that's true. So that so should help me a little that. bit. Yeah. See, I'll have a retractable nose gear in the front of mine. So even though my nacelles will be shorter and maybe not have as much weight as yours, I'm going to have that nose gear up front that's going to add quite a bit of weight to the nose. So now on the fuel tanks go directly like, behind the engines. Yeah. So that's going to be in front of the actual wing. It will be. Yeah. And well, it'll be just, just, well, it'll be just ahead of, it'd be right on the wing uh, leading edge. Right. So it's going to be exactly where I'm putting the battery. Pretty much. So, you know what? We might not be that far off by the time you put your fuel in, by the time you put your motor, because your engine is going to be a lot heavier than my motor. Yes. I mean. Yes. And by the time you get your extra servo, although I guess that's not going to be necessarily And the servo I can put behind forward. the CG. Yeah. Um, but I won't have that. I will have an ESC though. But like the batteries I'm going to get, they're like a pound a piece. So yeah. I'm going to have two pounds in front of the wing. Yeah. Just in the nacelles Just for the battery. in batteries, yep. So that's concerning. But, I mean, we'll make it work. Yeah. Whatever. If and it doesn't can... fly, it's going to hang from the ceiling and look nice. <laughs> It'll fly. <laughs> um, and that's something else. You know, you're not going to have a receiver battery, really, to have to worry about either. I'll have that that I can move around in the airplane if I need to. Yeah. So that's something else you'll have to you'll have to factor into where you mount your servos and stuff. There's really not going to be a lot of weight that goes into... Not really. Yeah, because, I mean, there's not going to be a lot of weight that goes in the fuselage at all. No, not not really. I mean, you're going to have your receiver, which those, you know, are Nothing. very light. And I actually thought about maybe putting the receiver on the wing as opposed to in the plane, because I think it's going to be easier to plug in um, elevator and rudder to it as opposed to plugging in servos a, for the yeah, ailerons ESCs and the ESCs and yeah, all that kind I of gotcha. stuff, too. So Yeah, oh, that makes sense. It yeah. might be easier to just mount that on top. Of yeah. the wing, so it goes inside the body that now way. Now, how will you do the the ESCs? Will you will you rig them up as in a Y harness, or will you put no. them on separate channels? Separate channels. Okay, and then mix them together. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that way I can control it a little bit better if I need to do anything speed wise, which I shouldn't. Man, but... you could do some cool asymmetric thrust type exercises yeah. too if you wanted to. Yeah. Or experiments, I should say. Mix it in with the the rudder and all that kind of stuff. That might be kind of fun. That might be really fun. You should try that on yours too. You could do that. Yeah, I could. I mean, you're going to be running. Aren't you running two servos then? Mm -hmm. yeah, so you can set it up the same way pretty yeah. much as I am. Well, they are going to be on separate channels because I may have to be able to adjust the servos separately to get the engines in sync. Oh, I didn't think of that. So, but yeah, they'll be on separate channels. So yeah, I could technically do the, I same, could thing. Do the same thing. Huh. I, might bet be that, more fun. I bet these things would do crazy flat spins, you know, with like full left or right <laughs> rudder and then one engine at idle and the other one at, you know, wide open. I bet it could. Oh, or be... even better, with an electric, you could reverse one. <laughs> Mind blown. 
Oh, I would so crash. It's it's not even funny. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, but how cool would that be if if you like got that figured out? Can you imagine the the spin rate you could get like on a flat spin with one motor turning in reverse? <laughs> I don't <laughs> that know. That would be awesome. I don't know if you could actually do that with the ESCs I'm getting, but oh. I'm sure there are some to where you could. Oh, that might yeah. be kind of fun. Yeah, I'm not going to do it though. Or point it, you know, like whenever you're doing a loop, you can have them reverse on the way down to. So that your down leg is slower than your up leg. There you go. That would really mess with people. Or we could even just do like the reversible props, like the variable speed nah, or variable pitch nah, props. you're just being silly. Gosh. <laughs> Shot me down on that one pretty quick. Well, complicated though. Aren't those fairly complicated? I've yeah, never... you're right. No, it's easier just to do it through electronics. Yeah. Especially when it's an electric motor. Right. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know why that actually just got me a little bit more excited to finish this. So yeah. the wind is back in my sails. Excellent. Which it had been taken out actually for a while. Yeah. Well, and I'll be honest, occasionally, even with this four day weekend, you know, that I had, um, I should have gotten a lot more done. Like I, I probably could have at least started building the, the, you know, the horizontal stab stabilizer or whatever. Even if I don't have the materials to work on my nacelles, I could have found other stuff to work on. But I'll be honest, sometimes... The motivation is just not there. How, you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. And it's unfortunate because like I'm to the point, I have other things in the back of my mind that I want to build. Yes. And okay. So one of well, the- And I have other things in my shop that I need to be working on. You know what I mean? Like I need to get back on the Horton project. Okay, Eventually. but don't, don't start with this because you're the reason I'm doing this. So <laughs> you got to be still, you know, be excited about it. Well, or else this is, this I'm is... very excited about that. I, okay. I cannot wait to have a completed duelist that I can take out to the field and see it sitting. I mean, in my head, I can still, I, I can, yeah, I'm excited. You can visualize. I, see, can I, visualize I don't visualize yes. things like I can't, I can't see that. Oh, I can, I can but, totally see a, a nice crisp, well, it'll be spring afternoon. You think so now? <laughs> is that what we're aiming for? At the rate I'm going. And I'm waiting for materials. You know, I gotta find some 16th inch plywood somewhere to to do my nacelle doublers. But that, yeah, that's gonna be kind of more difficult to find than it should be. Yeah, I I thought I'd be able to go find it at Michael's, but apparently, no. Did you try Hobby Lobby? Uh, yeah. Oh, same same results. That's too bad. Yeah. So anyway, it's gonna be another trip up to our favorite place, and that's okay. And that's okay because <laughs> I gotta buy another tool. What are you? I'm gonna buy another balsa stripper. Oh, that's a good idea. Actually, that's a, a good idea. It's yeah. good to have an extra one. Yeah. I might actually get a second one too. What I'd like to do, um, but I probably won't because, you know, time and all that stuff. I'd like to build one, like yeah. an actual like computer controlled balsa stripper <laughs> to where you can just tell it I need a quarter inch piece and then that will move it the blade does out. everything for you. And then you can just load your, your wood in there and it would push it through. <laughs> it wouldn't be that hard to do. I wouldn't think so. But that's just more time I don't have. Well. But that's okay. Yeah. It's it's always good to have things you want to do later, right? Yeah. So like I talked about, you know, losing motivation. Mm -hmm. Talking about it with you gets me motivated again. And seeing your progress uh, gets me motivated. It's like I wish we had about another five <laughs> hours when we're done recording. Right. So that I could get home and get stuff done. But yeah. unfortunately. No, I understand. And you know what? Maybe one of these days you ought to bring your stuff out here. And we could just kind of like record on a Saturday or something and then have the rest of the day to work maybe that's not a bad idea yeah. well i mean when the duelist projects are over we are going to collaborate on the next project correct one of the next projects well and no and actually the way so yeah um the next thing we're planning on doing is going to be the tri-motor 
Right. Okay. We're just making sure we're on the same page. Yeah. Um, and you, you said you already have a couple motors for it? I do. What well, do I think I do. Okay. I mean, I have a, have a couple of Sados. I have 50, a Sado 50 and a Sado 72. So we just need to build or to buy another, probably yeah, another 72. Either a 72. I would say another 72 because the 50 can you know sit in the, in the center and no one will be the wiser. But that's going to be... I'm that one is one I'm getting excited about. Like yeah. really, I, I almost just want to get these out of the way. I'm not saying I don't care about these cause no, they're cool, but yep. they're, it's just something I got to do first at yep. this point. Um, so I'd like to get this done and get it out of the way. The other thing though, that I want to do, and it's probably gonna be at the same time because we're going to work together on the, the tri-motor. That's um, the plan. So we don't have a lot of time where we can get yeah. together and do things really because right you know, uh, life stuff. Um, so I'll need something to work on by myself when I'm, you know, not with you. <laughs> right. I really like the elder 40. Oh, you're putting it out there. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to whatever, Okay. but there's a, okay. So here's the story behind that. And then this <laughs> is, this is the whole story behind it. When we went to the fly-in, and our friend had the big biplane there. Mm -hmm. That covering um, was, I, I really liked the covering that was on that. And we got talking about it and figuring out that, you know, that's old stuff. It's not made anymore, yada, yada, yada. Um, we had a listener reach out and tell me that you can still get that kind of covering and told us what it was and stuff. And so I went and bought a roll. Mm -hmm. It was, a, I don't remember how long. It's a small roll. 15 foot. Is it a 15 foot? I thought it was 15 feet. I, it might be, uh, but it was 65 bucks just for the head <laughs> roll of covering. Ouch. I shouldn't have bought it, but that's kind of what's pushing me it on sparked, this. Yes, it sparked really the project. Is. So I, I started looking for different planes that would fit that kind of fabric, you know, that would that would really work in on that. And everything I was looking at, I always came back to the Elder 40. It was really just a cool looking airplane. I like the, the open structure in the yes. back. It's very um, cool. And I like the uh, like the scalloped uh, on the control surfaces on the tail. I don't know mm -hmm. why. I just think that's kind of neat too, mm -hmm. even though I know that's going to be a lot harder to do. Um, and so when we were up at our favorite hobby shop, yep. there was one of those on the rack up in the uh, the attic where he had a, a whole bunch of airplanes for sale. And I, I finally saw one in real life. I was like, okay, that's it. I that's really, it. really like it. Mm -hmm. um, so I know that's what I want to build. Well, then we took a couple of our friends up there. <laughs> and he really thought he liked that one also. Mm -hmm. uh, one of our, our buddies did, and he ended up buying it. He did. Well, that, you know, cool, good for you. I, that's awesome. <laughs> but man, that kind of took the wind out of my sails for that one. Well, now there's already one out there. Right. So I don't yeah. want to do the same thing <laughs> that somebody else has done, because mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of boring. So here's my <laughs> thought, and tell me what you think of this. Um, I want to scale it. Okay. To twice the size. I think, oh, okay. So it'll twice be- Twice the size. That would be, if everything will work out right, that will be 130 inch wingspan. Now- Yeah. Zers. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big airplane. That's a big airplane, but it should be light. There's not much to yeah, those at all. It's very I mean, it's, lightly it's built. Not, it's yep. not a heavy airplane. Mm -hmm. um, do you think I would be able to fly a plane that size with a 20cc uh, Zenoa? Well, yeah, I mean, if, if you build it light and, you know, be mindful of the, of the all up weight, you know, the finished weight of the airplane, and if you keep it, you know, you keep it at 15 ish pounds, 
I think, yeah, I think it'll, it'll fly fine. I mean, it's not going to be like a, you know, a, a 3d machine or, which or, I don't want that. or an aerobat. I mean, it's going to be a floater, a slow lumbering kind of a thing. And if that's what you want, I think a 20 CC would, would fly it. A 30 CC would probably fly it better. Do you think I should use the one, the, that Royobi one that you had converted? Well, I mean, if we could figure out the ignition on that thing, I think that would probably be a better option. And it would kind of look cooler, I think, because of the, the shape of the cylinder head on that engine. I think it just looks older. Yeah, it you know would definitely I mean? kind of match the... Classy, classical, the airplane. yeah, antique-ish, yeah. And then I don't have to use my good 20cc on that true. plane. I could use it on something else. That's true. Ah, that that really gives me but some like I said, you know, something to think you have about. To have to be mindful of the weight in every aspect of the build. I mean, you well, got to keep it light. One of the things I thought about doing, just because it's such a simple designed wing, is mm-hmm. doing a foam core. Ooh, you don't like foam core? Foam, I mean, foam has its has its application for sure. Um, but um, it's been my experience that a foam core wing. Unless you take measures to lighten it, like cut out open rib bay, cut out open rib bays and, and things like that, um, they tend to be a little bit heavier than a built-up balsa wing. So like a foam core, fully sheeted wing is, in that scale, especially at that size, is going to be fairly heavy, I think. Hmm. Unless, like I said, unless you you, know, you go ahead and cut out the the rib base so that they're open, so that your your foam is essentially taking the place of the spars and ribs and things like that, and you have open bays. I've seen them constructed that way, and they're very light that way. Yeah, well, I might have to do a few tests and stuff. I'll I'll have to build a uh, hot wire cutter, so that'll be fun. There you go, a new tool, another toy. Yes. <laughs> Put it on my list of things to do. Those but are actually fairly easy to build, I think. I've, yeah, I've, I've seen, read quite a few articles I've about I've actually, those. I've built one before, oh. but not that wide. Oh, okay. Like the one I have now will only do like 24, and no, I think I've done like 26 inches. And you do the wing out of foam, then we don't have to, there's no rush, I should say, to, to make our laser bigger. Really? Well. I mean, I know that's a project you want to finish and get done, but I mean... If the la- you, the laser you... needs to be bigger for the tri-motor. Ah, and technically, true. the laser needs to be bigger for the duelist. Technically, it just needs to be bigger. T- yeah. So, <laughs> okay. Th- so anyway. Yeah. That's okay. That's got to go on my list too, higher on my <laughs> list. So maybe I won't be building airplanes anytime soon, but I got to get some other well, you're stuff done a duelist first. right now. So, well, but I got to get done with that. <laughs> I want that to be behind me. So, I understand. Um, I want my duelist to be hanging on my wall so that I can look at it and know that, hey, my duelist is finished and I can go fly it. I'm looking they forward to that They are fun to fly. I, I, I got to well, tell you. I I'll, be, I'll be interested to see the difference in how mine flies versus how yours flies. Because it's going to be a completely different. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. yours is going to be a lot faster than mine. Maybe. No, I'm pretty sure it's going to be. Because I'm not doing any of the screaming motors and all that kind of stuff that you're going to be doing I wouldn't on say mine are screaming. They're just 40s with they're pipes. Tune pipes. You're going to yeah, be getting a lot more like, RPM out of them. Not, it's not like they're Nelson racing engines or anything like that. They're just standard old ringed 40s that'll have a pipe. You know, they may turn a few hundred more RPM than a non-piped one. I mean, what? Not, I wouldn't call them screamers. What size propeller are you putting on? Uh, so like we talked about in the last episode. Yeah, but propellers. I don't remember. Um, well, I don't think I actually said, um, but the the plan is to, to do a 10 by six, three blade. Okay. So we're about the same propeller then. Cause I'm doing an 11 by six, two blade. 
Yeah, so, so we're about the same. Kind of have the same load. Yeah, yeah. Um, but mine. Well, I don't know. Probably turn maybe a couple thousand more RPM, maybe than than an electric at that size. I don't really know what's the KV. I don't. On those motors? I don't remember. I think it's. I think I bought eleven hundred KV. Oh. And that's going to be a fourteen eight, fourteen point eight volts. Yeah. So yeah, do the math. I don't have stuff there. in front of me right now. Yeah, that'll be up there. Hmm. Yeah, it will be interesting to see the yeah. difference. But we'll see. One thing's for sure. I'll be able to stay airborne longer. Yeah. And then you'll be able to come down and fill up and do it again, which exactly. I won't be able to. Yep. But that's okay. That's Because okay. this is not one I plan that's on not flying what it's about. often. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. we'll get the tri-motor out and we'll fly that a lot. Yes. This one, probably not so much. Yeah, that's okay. But that's all right. And then the Elder, what was that going to be? It can't be an Elder 40 anymore because that's the size. Yeah, I guess so it'd an be Elder... an Elder Ultimate, an Elder XL. The BAU. You figure it out. No. BAE? The BAE. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> oh, forget that. And you, you looked at me like I'm an idiot. Like you're looking like, yeah. I, I was like I'm trying BAU to figure it out. You, I don't right? understand it. BAU. That's why. Anywho. Bow? bow? But, yeah, a, the bow. Yeah, it's a bow. It's a bow. Bow plane. A big elder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so... Let's talk okay. about something because we've just been rambling on. Yeah, we have. Sorry about that. Yeah, so I was thinking uh, uh, I could hit a subject that uh, has been asked of us a couple of different times. Um, how to become a better pilot. Oh, that okay. Good idea. I mean, there's, there's lots of ways to do it. Um, I mean, I, we can just get right in it unless you have... Uh, no, because I'm not a good pilot. So you go ahead and you <laughs> well, tell me what I need to be doing. I wouldn't really say I'm a good pilot either, but I'm a fair. I'll, I'll give myself fair pilot. Competent. Competent. And here, I'm okay with competent, by the way, because that means you can land and, and yeah. you're not going to like crash a plane every time. Yeah, I would but say I'm a competent pilot. Definitely not a 3D pilot. Definitely not a no. skilled uh, stunt pilot. Me, I'm talking about. Um, but competent. Yeah, I would yeah. say, I would, oh, you're... Definitely competent. I mean, you have no trouble with taking off and landing and correcting no. for crosswinds and things like that. And that's that you're above competent. I'm competent plus proficient. Proficient. How about that? Oh, would you would you take proficient? I could I could see that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, then what are you? I would say proficient plus maybe proficient plus maybe not an expert, but proficient plus maybe I can I can handle the basic maneuvers and not and get... some fairly advanced maneuvers. Well, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I'm compared to me, <laughs> so we can't be rated the same. Well, we're not. I'm plus. Oh, well, as long as I'm not minus. <laughs> <laughs> so, some things that that I that I do to try to become a better pilot: um, practice, fly a lot. Well, that was easy. Which is, I mean, <laughs> I mean, basically, the more you fly, the better you're going to get. I mean, it's just like with any skill that you want to learn in life that. To get good at it, you have to do it a lot. Practice makes perfect. Yeah, and unfortunately, we never seem to get as much practice as we like. Yeah. I mean, it's I know been I, windy, by the way. I wanted has. to go out like this weekend. I thought it'd be awesome it to go out. It was crazy windy. Silly. Yeah, it was crazy windy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I haven't certainly not gone out as much as I wanted to this uh, this flying season, and that's okay. You know, it, there's always the next season, right? <laughs> Maybe not always. I, I was going to say, now, with the exception of once. But uh, yeah, so... Um, practice, fly, fly as much as, as you can, um, without causing, you know, grief at the, at the homestead. What? 
Well, you know, some spouses may not be okay with you spending an entire weekend at the field if there's... Then you need a new spouse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, Ron's marital advice. There Get you a go. new spouse if she doesn't like your... Uh, how was that worded in the... We got it. I don't remember how I yeah. said it, but yeah. Funny stuff. Uh, so yeah, practice. Um, something else I do is you mentioned the wind. Um, sometimes I will purposely go fly in a little bit of wind or a lot of wind. Um, maybe not a lot of wind. I was going to say, let's not say a lot of wind. But, you know, if if let's say you're accustomed to flying in winds of, you know, five to seven miles an hour, maybe, uh, you know, maybe move your cutoff up a little bit, like maybe 10 miles an hour. Oh. Um, but but what that is going to do, it's going to it's going to develop your compen- compensate. Your, I can't say it. It will improve your ability to compensate for the wind. Uh, what word were you going for? Compensatory, I think, is the word I was... Anyway, I so flying in the wind... I didn't even know that was a word, so I'm sorry. It is. Com- compensatory. Wait, maybe I... Oh, anywho. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. An English uh, expert... Uh, I'm not a literary, a literary, a literary scholar. <laughs> anyway. Oh, sorry. So yeah, uh-huh. don't be afraid to fly in a little bit more wind than you're normally accustomed to. Um, especially winds that are crosswind of your runway. Okay. Continue on. Seriously. Uh, ignore me. That, why are you laughing? <laughs> just, I don't know. The whole compensatory <laughs> no. English. What? What's so funny? Come on, do share. Go on, please. You were just talking about wind, and I don't know why wind made me laugh. Well, because you break wind a lot. Not as much as you. I'm not. I, ins- I know. I think so. I'm not entirely sure that's accurate. We're we're about I'm, close. No. Uh-huh. I think hmm. since you've been here, it's been more you than me. Well, one night. Well, that's all I have to go off of for now. <laughs> Yeah. Continue, sir. I'm right. sorry. Oh, I just spilled my water. Shoot. So it'll while dry. Ron's cleaning himself up, <laughs> it'll dry. Uh, I'll talk about flying in crosswinds. And uh, so that will develop your... What? Crosswind. Ignore, seriously, ignore me. I'm Crosswind. Sorry. I mean, it's, what's funny about that? Word? It's I was just up, a word. I was up very early today, and I think I'm getting slap happy, so just move on. All right. It's Okay. <laughs> so flying in a crosswind, especially on landing and taking off, it will develop your coordination with your left hand to coordinate rudder with throttle. Mm-hmm. Something else you can do is uh, pick a spot on the runway and try to hit that spot every time when you land. That'll that'll uh, develop your um, approach skills and, and develop uh, habits that uh, will become second nature. That's something I, I work on. I like to do a lot that's, of landings when I fly. That's kind of, well, no, no, no. Honestly, I agree. Like takeoff and landings are more fun to me than flying, just yeah. regular flying well, around. I like the challenge of, of trying to, you know, learn a new maneuver, you know, but, but I really, there's, I don't know why I enjoy it so much, but I do enjoy landing a lot. I, you know, we've said it several times before, a good landing is just awesome to see. It really is. And difficult to do. Really, it gets easier get, with practice. Oh, it does. But <laughs> you'd be well. No, you wouldn't you be, be surprised. 
I was going to say you'd be surprised, no. but you wouldn't be surprised because you see it as much as I do. When people land like the 18 bounces <laughs> and stuff, which is okay if you're yeah. trying to not do that. I mean, trying to not do that, I guess. But if you're just learning, that's cool. But man, that's that's not good on your gear. No. Especially when you porpoise and it gets worse every oh, time yeah. that you do it. And then you stall it and yeah, break the gear yeah. and all that stuff. But yeah, so try not to do that. But good landings. Very, very fun to watch. And very satisfying. Very Especially satisfying. When, you, when you grease one in and there's no bounce and it just makes that, that sound. It makes a sound. Now, At least on our grass runway, when you get it just you right, hear it it's just, just that nice little whooshing. Yeah. As it's the, yeah, it's really, really Now, satisfying. what I can't do that you can is like I can get it in the land, no problem. I mean, I can land pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. But you can land perfectly to where your rollout stops at your feet. Like you will land and then you'll just, after you set it down, roll straight up to where you are and you don't have to walk for your plane. Like I will land and it will still like go by you by, you know, 40, 50 feet and then you turn around to come back as opposed to I don't do that every time. A lot of the times you do, but that's okay. I mean, it gives me something to strive for. I don't, like if the engine dies, I don't want to have to go out there and walk out there and grab it and walk back if it dies on the way, you know, on the run out, on the roll out from the landing and happens to be at my feet, then that's less walking I have to do. <laughs> to Electric motors don't die. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Unless they hit the voltage cutoff of the speed controller. And then they still just reset when you go down to zero. <laughs> that's true. But you shouldn't be you flying that low anyway. Them. Yeah, that's you true. can. Yeah. Uh, something else I like to practice is approaches. Like I'll, I'll fly, you know, a couple of different um, approaches before I'll actually land, especially with a new airplane. Um, but I like to do those uh, even with a, even with an airplane that I'm familiar with. Um, practice approaches and, you know, develop that, that crosswind correction if there is one. Um, that, that will make you a better pilot too, especially if you do that in conjunction with your spot landing, because then you're, you're, you're tying the two together. So a precision approach to a spot landing, once you have that down, I mean, that's, very, very satisfying to watch because that usually equals a really nice landing. Usually. Usually. And you're right. Landings are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Every flight ends with one. Some are good, some are some bad. Some are good, some are leave something to be desired. True. Or more pieces than you started or, with. There's that. Uh, something else I I mess with um, to work on my piloting skills. I'll, I like to play with Expo. Do you, do you play with Expo? On your airplanes? Depends on the airplane. Okay. Um, I do use it for most of them. I think just kind of dead in the center of the sticks. Exactly. But I don't. I don't do a lot with it. Yeah. It it takes away like if you if you play with the exponent, especially on on um, aileron and, and elevator, it takes a lot of that over controlling away, especially um, when you're close to the ground when when everybody can see what the airplane is doing, like everybody's <laughs> watching. Because let's be honest. When we're out flying and we're watching our buddies fly, we're usually not critiquing what they're doing in the air so much as critiquing what they're doing on their landing, right? So Because it's pronounced more. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and it's closer. and You can see better what's mm-hmm. going on. Uh, so I like to fly with Expo. Uh, I'm usually a 25% to 40% kind of guy, depending on the, the control rates that I have dialed in. Uh, and just like you said, it softens everything up around the center so it, it doesn't look like I'm over-controlling, even though the sticks may be going crazy because of all the control inputs I'm putting in. But because of the Expo, it's really softening. And, w- and in a nutshell, what Expo does is 
it, it's an exponential curve. So the, the more you move the stick, instead of it being a linear type of a movement, it's, you know, it moves a it's little a bit at first. And then as you move the stick towards its limit, it really catches up and moves the control surface. So uh, around the center, at least when you fly with it deadens the center of the stick. Yeah. Exactly. So it just so. makes it move less. Now, really, the only airplanes I use those on or use that on is going to be the ones that have the bigger control surfaces. Right. If you have like any type of older type sport airplane and that kind of stuff, you really don't need to use them. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. I don't like to use them. Uh, just because the, the ailerons are usually small to begin with. True. So you're not going to get the, the movement that you're going to get out of uh, like a, a bigger, say, a sport plane or like a, a 3D type airplane. Oh, that's true. Um, so there's really no need that I have found um, on some of my intermediate type airplanes, I guess, yeah. um, to make it fly any softer in, right. the, in the center of the stick. And I don't think I have much, if any, dialed in on the stick. You know the the uh, stick that we recovered or I recovered, um, but that's oh, the not stick. Th I thought you were talking about the sticks on the airplane, like the actual like stick, the gimbals. <laughs> no, and I was no, confused. The, the big stick, I should say, that you no longer have. No, I still have it. I thought you sold it. Oh, did that he, fall through? No, no, no. He he told me to keep the money and keep the airplane. I, it's a it's it's a guy I do a lot of work for. Uh, Wait a minute. How does that work? I don't know. Could I sell him a house? Maybe. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. If you do a lot of work for him, perhaps. Um, but no, at any rate, this stick is still mine. And, and like, I tried to give it to him. Like In I perpetuality or in, in per whatever it's called, like forever? Yeah. So this isn't like, hold on to it, I'll pick it up later? No. Because huh. no, I physically tried to give it to him. I was like, no, take it, you bought it. He's like, no, no, you've done, you've done a lot of work for me, and this is just one small way I can... And you're going to be doing some more work for me. That's so. His, that's his way, so I think, of, I own of you now. keeping me on the hook. <laughs> yeah, and that's okay because I, I don't mind uh, when I have time. I don't mind doing work for him. Wow, uh, that's that's a good deal. Yeah, yeah. Just costs me time, you know, that I have so much of. What well, right? <clears throat> well, I mean, you you wasted four whole days. <laughs> I didn't waste f all four of them. Three. It was just the two in the middle. Oh, yeah, you did stuff I, Monday. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you did anything yeah, on Monday. That's when I glued the two halves together. You know, I had to do all the prep work to do that. But yeah. Oh, so 15 minutes on Monday. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> it was more than 15. And that's the problem with where I'm at on that project. It, it doesn't look like a lot of time, but it is. Well, and that's what I was trying to convey earlier when I was talking about the whole, I look farther along because I didn't have as much to do. Like my wing is a lot more simple than yours is. Yeah. I mean, I don't have all the stuff to do that you're doing. That, that's true. And I, that's why what's frustrating to me is, you know, I, I get over here and yours is so, you have such done a almost. visual progress. Yeah. And mine is like, oh, well, I got, I glued two panels together. But what you didn't see was all the fitting I had to do for the joiners and, and the cutouts I had to make for the gear. And I had to make sure the gear was mounted. And when they were extended, I had to make sure they were in the same line. And yeah, it was a lot of work, but. Unfortunately, it just doesn't look like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, mine was not a lot of work, and it does look like a lot of work. So I'm yeah, happy yeah, about that. Yeah, yours is very far along like I could, visually. I could very well be done with the wing this weekend if I really tried. I mean, oh yeah, really, there's not that much left to do. Yeah, And we sure. got way off topic again. I'm sorry. You continue. Yeah, I know. I've got my thumb right here on my on the oh. note. Um, so something else you could play with is dual rates. I like to, I like to have uh, different dual rates for the same airplane. 
I don't have dual rate set up for anything. Yeah, I love dual rates. And and I I usually have it on a three position switch on my transmitter. So is that triple rates? Technically, no. Well, yeah, I guess so. Because yeah, one like the the, the top <laughs> position, right? I can just see your mind like trying to figure that one out. No, Hold on, dual rates, rates on a three yeah, rate switch. Because there would be a full rate, right? Mm -hmm. 100% where I've got as the maximum throw that the linkages will give me. Uh, and then usually that's usually on the on the down you know, on the second click down on the switch. The top one is the low rates, and I usually have those set up somewhere around thirty percent or so. And then I'll have my mid rates uh, somewhere around the seventy percent, and then obviously full rates is at one hundred percent. And the reason I like to do that is because not every maneuver requires 100% of your servo throw. And if you can dial your your dual rates down, let's say just regular old pattern style flying where you're not doing any high alpha, low airspeed type stuff. You know, you're just doing loops, rolls, maybe a snap roll, stuff like that. I like to fly those on mid or low rates because it, everything is smoother because you're not, again, you're not getting into that over controlling thing. You know, you're only moving the control surface, say an eighth of an inch as opposed to half an inch. So um, you have, as you get older, um, I find that my <laughs> motor control on my, on my, fingers is not quite as smooth and um, precise as it used to be. So I can get away with, you know, dumb thumbing it, if you will, uh, on low rates and still have a pretty good looking line in the air, if that makes sense. Well, and you still, you're a, you're a thumb flyer. Yeah. You're not a pinch. And I've meant to talk about that too. If you're learning how to fly, do yourself a favor and learn how to fly using the pinch method. Like pinch the gimbals between your 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 index finger and your thumb. That ultimately, if you learn to fly that way, that will give you such precision in your control. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's so ingrained in my brain. I've tried to teach my or reteach myself to fly that way, and I just can't. Um, so I'm a I'm a thumb on top of the stick flyer guy, and. That can only be so smooth. I mean, I've seen some yeah. guys that fly that way and they're very, very smooth, but you know, apples to apples, the, the pinch method is way, way more um, precise and, and smooth. And I wish I had learned that way. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, dual rates. I like to use them and I set them up on my three position switch. So they're, like you said, they're actually triple rate, I guess. Yeah. Um, but multi-rate anyway. switches. And it's just an easy switch that I can flip. If I'm going to start doing some crazy 3D stuff, I'll just reach up there and flip the switch to max rate and, you know, just toss the airplane around in the air. And then when I'm ready to, to look like a good pilot again, I'll flip it to low rates and fly nice basic pattern moves. So what are your thoughts on setting up a switch for like snap rolls and, and that kind of stuff? Yeah, like, that's uh, a lot of guys and girls do that. That's with, not what I ask. I said, what are your thoughts on that? Um, is to, that cheating? No, I don't think it's cheating because oh, okay. because you're still, I mean, you're still commanding the airplane. Whether you're doing it with one switch or three different control inputs with your thumb, you're programming the air, the the switch, so you know what it's doing. Oh, that's a slippery slope you're going down. What do you mean? I get what you're saying because there's no like extra input from a computer not doing what you're supposed to or what you want it to do. True. But I still think that's kind of cheating. I mean, not necessarily cheating, but that, like, if you have it set up to do a snap roll just by pushing a button on it, mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that's much different than having 
uh, like AS3X or something enabled. Oh, that's not even close to the same thing. Why? You're a still... snap roll switch or a, a switch that's that's programmed by you to move the control or a combination of control surfaces to a preset position is way different than something that's using a gyro to auto compensate for wind or other types of, of correction. So if you're watching somebody fly yes, and you're impressed by how they're flying, mm -hmm. but then you realize that all the snap rolls and stuff they're doing is just by pushing a switch, not by actually controlling the plane and reacting to it. You're okay with that? You still think they're just as good of a pilot as if they were doing that all on their own? I think so. Uh, see, I, 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 oh, you have to, I don't you, know about you that. You have to know the mechanics of of snap rolling an airplane. I mean, it's you know full elevator and, and full usually rudder. That's the input for a right. snap roll usually. Maybe a little bit of aileron if if your airplane doesn't like to to roll or whatever. Um, but just putting that on a button, I just I don't think that's well, it, that's a true test of or that a true does, showing of how good of it's an you aid are. I, I will give you that it yeah. is an aid um and it and it will allow you to focus instead on the correction so if you know if you if you have to do and snap rolls happen fast right yeah so a lot of times you know, they're called a snap roll right a lot of times well most of the time a snap roll unless you're really really good which i'm not but there are a lot of guys out there that are very good and girls um a snap roll happens so fast you don't have time to correct for anything. So if if I can push a button that I've programmed uh, to to take over a control while I correct on the controls while it's doing that, I don't think that's cheating. AS3X is cheating because it takes all of that out of the it does all of that for you. Uh, I'm just saying, I'm and gonna, I'm not saying I'm I'm I not a I'm a fan of AS3X. I like AS, especially in the little micro foamies that we fly. Yeah, some of those airplanes would be impossible to fly smoothly without it. I think you're going back on what you said before. You you were pretty much against AS3X before. I'm against AS3X for learning how to fly. Okay. So I mean, I can get behind you on that one. Like, you know, it, it's fine if you want to use AS AS3X you know, to, as you're learning to fly, but, but you have to be able to fly that airplane without those auto corrections before you move on to something without it. So tell me if you agree with this then learning to fly AS3X is fine for the first few flights. Right. Until you get the gist of how to fly. Exactly. And then slowly turn it off, turn it off. Yep. I mean, if there's different levels, you know, go from right, the, right. the the wean yourself greatest, off of yeah, it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, and then learn how to fly without it. And then if you want to go back to yeah. it to smooth out stuff, right. you're fine. So you can work on other maneuvers or whatever. Okay. Yeah. I'll buy that. So, um, but no, I have no problems with a snap roll switch. In fact, transmitters uh, back in the day um, were marketed. That was like a, a marketing thing. It has a snap roll switch. And it would it would automatically mix those two channels for you, and then yeah. you would adjust the rates or whatever. So everything I said, I have not like fully thought out. So I mean, like it still seems like it's cheating to me, but I could be easily talked out of thinking that. I think is kind of what I was getting at. Oh, I see. So like you know, just a, a first overview look down on it. It seems like cheating. Well, so but I mean, usually, and I've used a snap roll switch before. Um, or, or a, a button or, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Spring-loaded toggle. Um, but you've, you have to, I mean, you have to do a snap roll with that particular airplane first anyway. 
to know then what what limits to put on the switch. So you're you're doing a snap roll with the airplane. So why don't you just do it all the time? Like I said, like if you if you're in a competition or if you're you know, you're you're in a, a pattern competition or you're or you're trying to, you know, make your snap roll the prettiest it can be or what have you, that that switch will will take care of the major functions and then that allows you the extra bit of time to do the corrections to either you know, to so that you're ending exactly with the wings level or that the tail doesn't, you know, wanna wash out or any of these other innumerable number of corrections that can Okay, go on. Happen. So let's take this to the next logical step then. Okay. You're okay with the snap roll switch that you programmed on your own to make it do something in the air. What about an airplane that you program to take off, program to fly around, program to land on its own? I'm programming it and telling it to yeah, do it. I'm not a fan. I mean, that's a whole flight. I mean... So I'm just trying to figure it out. I mean, there's I'm there's levels talk- with you to where it's okay. Well, a maneuver, let's say. A maneuver that the the technology will allow me to to make subtle changes to the maneuver as it's happening. I'm not trying to do something different. I'm not trying to program the whole entire flight. It's okay. just it's just one maneuver during the flight. Gotcha. So, and you know, likewise, if there was a loop switch, you want to combine a snap roll <laughs> switch with a loop switch. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's cheating at some point. If you, if all you're controlling is the takeoff and the landing and then, and then you're just linking the maneuvers together and then you're hitting switches for each maneuver. Yeah, that might be cheating. I don't know. <laughs> but for a snap roll, I'm okay with that. Just a snap roll though. That's where we just are right snap, now. That's where I'm at. Just a snap roll. Yep. Nothing else. That's it. Okay. Speaking of maneuvers, mm-hmm. uh, that's another way I, uh, I will try to become a better pilot, 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 pilot. So one maneuver at a time, you know, if you want to, you know, if you want to be a better pilot, um, you have to practice, right? And if you want to do a better maneuver, the only way to get better at it is to practice it. And if you do one at a time before you move on to learning the next one or, or fine tuning the next one, um, you, you know, you're going to get farther faster if you master them one at a time than if you tried to link them, you know, if you try to do two loops and that one's okay. And then I'm going to move on to snap rolls and use my cool snap roll switch. Um, but anyway, pick, pick one maneuver at a time and make that thing really great before you try to move on the next one. Uh, that's another way you can, uh, you can make yourself a better pilot Okay. and understanding, you know, your limitations as a pilot too, that goes a long way to making you a better pilot. Um, speaking of maneuvers, sometimes I'll practice them dry and that sounds crazy, but like some people have better imaginations than others. I'm looking at you, Ron. Yeah, I don't have an imagination. Um, so like I'll, I'll tell you, I'll physically hold my transmitter, you know, at home or wherever. Um, and I'll imagine flying the airplane and I'll move, you know, move the sticks and imagine the airplane moving to the control inputs I'm giving it. Um, and you'll find eventually if, if you do that enough, sometimes it's, it's, I think it's has to do with the muscle memory, you know, like a loop, obviously is you're going to pull back, but then, you know, maybe your airplane doesn't track straight in a loop. And if you can sort of program into your mind that, Hey, maybe I'm going to have to combine these two inputs, elevator and aileron together during this maneuver. If you practice that dry and then you really want to get trick and move to a simulator and then practice that on a simulator, you'll find that that'll make you a better pilot too, especially when the time comes to actually fly the airplane. So 
I that's, cannot do that. Yeah. I, I can close my eyes and I cannot imagine anything. <laughs> like, I mean, it's so weird. Like, well, if you're not good at imagining things, then just go to the simulator and practice that, that one maneuver. That I can do. Yeah. Like, my mind is so, like, factual-based. Yeah. Like, I don't imagine things very well. It's weird. Yeah. It's odd. No, I get it. I mean, you know, some people are, are very creative and some people aren't. And I'm not very creative, but I have a I good imagination. I am not creative at all. Oh, I think you're very creative. I think I, I, I think you're extremely creative because I mean look, think about what it takes to to redraw a plan to make it work for something that's, that's no, not No, that's not designed. creative, that's copying. <laughs> I mean like No, you had to get creative about the cutouts and the and the way everything fit together on this because your but, wing even though the outside dimensions of your wing resembles the dualist dimensions, internally your wing is completely different. So I guess I would say I'm not I mean, I guess if you want to call that imaginative or whatever, sure. I'm not artsy. Well. Like when it comes to that kind of imagination and that kind of stuff. You can be creative and not be artsy. I'm factual creative. <laughs> like I had to make that fit. So yeah. that's easy. That part doesn't yeah. bother me. But I mean, you know, creativity doesn't, doesn't, it's not limited to, you know, to, you know, putting, matching two colors together and making them look like something. Being yes, I cannot do that. Being creative is, you know. In my opinion, anyway, in Tom's opinion, being creative is being able to sort of see what you want the end product to look like, and then either modifying something that's already existing or whatever, creating a plan to get to that. And you're very good at that. Like, you know exactly what you want something to look like, and you are very creative and very imaginative in the ways sometimes that you get to those. I think I might fool you a little bit. Because a lot of times, well, like, you've done a pretty good job of fooling me, though. <laughs> like, when it comes to doing things, like, I cannot imagine the end result. Like, I know what I want to get to, but I can't actually see it or actually know what it's like. Well, I mean, let's use the laser as an example. You know, you know what you want the end product to be capable of, you know what you want it to, you know, the size you want it to be, and, you, and you've already got a plan sort of in place of how you're going to do that. But I have no clue what it's going to look like. Like, I mean, I haven't figured I understand out that. Right. the you, aesthetic. So I, I'm yeah. not, like, if I was trying to build something to look like something, I would not be able to do that in my mind. Does that make sense? Like, when I, I'm trying to think, some of the things I've done, like, around the house. No, no, I, it makes sense. Okay. Well, I, I, okay. I get what you're saying, but what I'm saying is, <clears throat> yeah, maybe maybe you're not an aesthetics guy. You're, you're not thinking of, of what the thing is going to look like. You're more into function, but it still takes creativity. In my opinion, it still takes creativity to develop the path to get to that functionality, that functionality. Okay. I don't know. I can see that. I think that's creative. Well, then in that case, yes, I can be creative. Yeah. And speaking of having a plan, something else I do, uh, me personally, to make myself a better pilot is I try to have a plan for each flight. And, and it doesn't always happen. Like sometimes I just take off and I do whatever. But like if you have a plan, say you want to do better landings, your plan for that flight should be doing a bunch of landings. You know, if you want to do really awesome, symmetrical, perfectly shaped, you know, vertical loops, then that flight, you should probably be practicing loops and, you know, different, you know, wind conditions and things like that. I, so, don't, I don't think I've ever taken off an airplane with a plan on what I was going to fly. I try to have a plan for, I, I try to have a plan for every flight. It would be beneficial really? to me for every flight. Now, obviously, I sometimes I just take off and I do whatever. Uh, and sometimes <laughs> the airplane dictates what I'm going to do for that flight. Yeah. Um, 
But usually if you have a plan uh, for each flight and you stick to your plan, ultimately that will, that will focus your practice and, and make you a better pilot, I okay. think. I will have to try and think of that. Next time I go to take off, I'm going to be like, all right, I'm going to make a plan <laughs> to come back in the same amount of pieces that I left with. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good plan. Um, here is another good plan. Um, speaking of plans, you know, plan for every flight, um, figure eights. Figure eights in the sky are a great way to develop uh, that, that, that muscle memory and also help you to, especially if you're flying in a little bit of wind, doesn't matter what direction the wind is coming from, you're going to have to compensate at some point when you're doing a figure. And when I say figure eight, I mean like if you drew a figure eight on a table, that's like a horizontal now move that up into the sky. And that's what I'm talking about. A nice horizontal in the same plane. Oh, you're not talking about like eight. the vertical. That's called a vertical eight. What's or, a Cuban eight? So a Cuban eight is half, I think of a vertical eight, I think. So it's where you basically so do a, a you do a you do half a loop and then roll upright. I think that's a Cuban eight, or maybe that's a split S. Either way, a split S. That and a would Cuban look eight. more like a split S. Like okay, half so an that's S. a split S, and I maybe the Cuban eight is coming down. But anyway, um, a horizontal figure eight is a great way to develop your skills as a, as a pilot because um, not only do you want to try to keep the airplane at the same altitude, right? Yeah, you also want to make the lobes. Right, each circle you you want to try to make them consistent, and if you pick a, a spot directly out in front of you as you're flying, I had to swallow there, talking a lot. Um, <laughs> so as you're as you're doing your figure eight, yes, you are <laughs> the the point at which the, the two paths cross or the or the cross. If you pick a spot out in front of you and you try to cross your path there at the same time, you will sort of automatic not automatically, but you will consciously develop. You know, skills like, okay, if, if, if it's a crosswind, then I know the airplane is going to be moving either from left to right or right to left. So one of your lobes is going to end up being long and one of the other ones as you're going upwind is going to be kind of short. So you can, you can sort of compensate knowing that there's wind. So you'll make the, the downwind leg a little shorter so that it, you know, doesn't move your cross away from your center. So that's a good a good practice, uh, a good plan to have for, for a flight is to practice those. So the point then would be like the end goal is to do all of that without thinking to get I, that muscle memory right. built up. Ideally, you'll be able to, <clears throat> excuse me, ideally you'll be able to see the airplane and, and kind of without thinking correct for, for things like that altitude and, you know, the shape of your, of your lobes, you know, of your figure eight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I've never done any of that before. And I, I would, I know I would have to, to think about that and actually like work at it. But like takeoffs, landings, and all that kind of stuff, there's like no thought that yeah. goes into it. There's it's yep. just reaction if something happens, yep. and there's no. Once again, I, I don't plan things. I don't think about things beforehand. So there's no like, I know I have to be here. I have to do this as I'm coming in to make my approach. It's just automatic. Yeah, like you do it without even thinking about it. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but you have to be careful also because you don't you don't want it to feel like work. <laughs> like I've, I've gotten to the point yeah. before where, um, especially if it's not, if it, if the, if the process is not coming easy to me, um, then it starts to feel like work and then it's time to knock it off and just go have some fun and don't have a plan. But like, if you're really seriously about trying to become a better pilot, um, then these are some of the things, you know, you can do and something else, uh, that will make you a better pilot is training other pilots. Like, yeah, I, I, mean, I still can't do that though. 
like I, I can't get the words out fast enough. We've oh, talked about that before yeah. that I just, I, you know, yeah. and when that I'm comes trying with, to tell you something. And that comes with flying. I mean, if you fly a lot, you'll get to that point. You'll be able to verbalize, you know, what the airplane is doing or what you want the airplane to do. And, and yeah. you'll be able to automatically, hey, pull back or hey, you know, right rudder or hey, right, whatever. Yeah, like um, if I'm flying, I can do it. Yeah. But I can't verbalize it quick right. enough. Right without sounding like I'm yelling right. to and, get somebody and, else yeah, to do Yeah, and it. what training another pilot does for you um, as a pilot is, uh, you know, students get in situations. And mm-hmm. um, if, you're, if you're pretty good at flying yourself, um, you obviously can get out of those situations. But Or not get yourself into those situations to begin with. Though. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but like you said, verbalizing what you want that student to do just sort of reinforces... Uh, those automatic reactions or, or reflexes on your part. And that actually sort of, I, in my opinion anyway, will make you a better pilot because those are things that now you, you probably don't even need to think about anymore because you've, it's been so ingrained in you from teaching students, oh, he's upside down again. I got to write the airplane before I you know, pull up or whatever. Um, those are just become automatic and those make you, those things make you a better pilot. Yeah. A couple more things about being a better pilot. Um, understanding how airplanes work, that will make you a better pilot. Like it goes back to me talking about that book exactly. a couple weeks ago, whatever it was. It exactly right. Um, that really helped when I started out sure. understanding the basics. Yep. If you if you know why an airplane does certain things, um, that will make you a better pilot because then you will understand what it takes to then make that airplane not do that thing, or or to make an airplane to do the, what you want it to do. Mm-hmm. So understanding how an aileron works and why it works, how an elevator works and why, you know, why up is down and down is up, you know, understanding kind of the basics of that. I mean, you don't need to have, you know, the, the physics, you know, the, the master's degree in, in aeronautics to understand it. Um, but having a basic understanding of how an airplane works and, and, you know, like we talked about in our last episode with propellers, knowing ahead of time that, you know, I've got this tail dragger. As soon as the tail comes up off the runway, I'm going to have to add some rudder because of the things we talked about last, you know, in the last episode. Um, so understanding how an airplane works uh, is important to becoming a good pilot. And really flying is all about changing the angle of attack on your wing. I mean, yeah. that's all you're doing uh, Yeah, to go up and go down. It's all about the, you know, the, the angle of attack on the wing is whether yeah. it's going to, whether it's going to raise you up or, or lower you down. All it has to do with, um, like turning ailerons. That's all about changing the angle of attack on the yeah. wings and, and all that going yeah. through the air. It all so. has to do with overcoming gravity. Yeah. And, and the direction that that lift arrow is pointing mm-hmm. and you change that lift arrow by changing the, just like you said, the angle of attack of the wing and relation to that. So all about going through the fluid of air. That's right. And then the one last thing I wanted to mention about becoming a better pilot is, uh, never underestimate the value of a simulator. Like, right. I mean, in the, in the, we, winter, we, we talked about that. Uh, sorry, not to cut you off. Okay. But we, we talked about that in the whole beginner airplane episode. Yes. We've talked about that several times Yep. and I don't think we can stress that enough. Simulators exactly right. save airplanes. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> um, I own a simulator. It's not a very good one. It's an old one, but it's enough. Doesn't matter. It's enough. Like yeah, I said, me too. Um, I think mine is. It's real flight. I think version two G two. I think is what it's called. I have no idea. It's an old one. I have. It, it's enough. I have Phoenix before it went out of business. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, having a simulator and, and being able to um, 
practice maneuvers or, or even learn to fly. Um, a simulator is, is, uh, I mean, I don't want to say it's essential, but I mean, it is very, very good tool, especially like, you know, winter's coming here and we're not going to be able to fly. You can fly on the simulator. Yeah. So, and that's a good way to hone your skills. Yeah. But as I've said before, remember, it doesn't work the same in real life as it does <laughs> on the simulator. No. Lesson it, learned. Right. That's true. <laughs> But it, but it does, you know, the, the basic... The basics are uh, there. Yeah, the basic uh, coordination that has to happen to be able to fly these things is is uh, is all part of it on a simulator. I agree. So that's really all I had to say about becoming a better pilot. If you guys have ideas that you want to share with us on how to become a better pilot, let us know. Let us know the the, um, the practices that you do that, uh, that you found to work for you over the years. I'd love to hear what they are. Cool. All right. Let's move on. Okay. Last couple things I wanted to get into is we have uh, some messages I wanted to read. So uh, first off, um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to use this guy's name or not because of what he wrote, but I'm going to okay. go ahead and call him out. <laughs> okay. Um, Jeffrey sent us a message. Jeffrey, Jeffrey, uh, And Jeffrey. he says, I have just caught up on a bunch of episodes and listened uh, to the workshop episode. I, like Ron, prefer to have a mindless television show on in the background. Right? I mean, I fully, fully support that. Yeah, you get that. However, the next sentence. That being said, I've, in quotes, watched the entire Glee series twice while building. Alexa just uh, said I don't even something. know where she is. Anyway. Well, there's one over there. Well, I know, but it sounded like it came from the other <laughs> it room. It did sound like it came from... Well, there's from... one in the other room, too, so maybe that... Oh. Anywho. Uh, back to it. Yeah. That being said, I've watched the entire Glee series twice while building. Glee? So... Glee? You're going to have to help me out here. I'm not familiar with... Like, I don't watch a lot of TV. I think we've mentioned that before in the, in the podcast. So, I, what is Glee? Glee is a show... I think it was on Fox. I don't think it's on anymore. Oh, well, actually, no, it wouldn't be if he says the whole series. Kind of like the, high, school the high school sing songy thing. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Glee. Um, he watches Glee, Glee in the background yeah. while he <laughs> builds. Uh, so huh. uh, he says, my wife and daughter harassed me about watching that show as a 56-year-old man. As well they should. And I um, I fully support them. So, <laughs> uh, no, he said, it's truly mindless TV with lots of music sprinkled in. Uh, I thought I would well, share my- music I can understand. Yeah. Uh, I thought I would share my secret shame LOL. Love the show. Your <laughs> topics are spot on, and I truly enjoy each episode. And I hope you don't mind that being on the podcast, Jeffrey. Yeah, I left your last name out. You're welcome. Yep. Um, because Glee, I mean... Really? Yeah. No, I, no it's it's cool. I, I fully... Well, the music, I, I can totally get that. Like, have, you know, but yeah. Glee. Odd. Yeah. So the, the show I actually have watched, like, over and over, like, on repeat, is Forged in Fire. That has been probably for the last two months now, just on repeat in the Is background. Is that like that uh, A and E, or not A and E, but uh, I, I, I I watched on Hulu, so I don't know what it's on. Oh, okay, but it's it's I think the I know one where they true. make knives. Yeah, okay, and it's like a competition. Yeah. Yep. Which so like ironically enough though I did I made that's what a I was knife. gonna say yep. that's what I wanted to say that's oh, what I wanted to say ironically <laughs> enough the last one I watched they were making knives out of the the, uh, of the railroad, railroad spikes spike. yeah. but in three hours they had to do three of them. And they actually said that the railroad spikes are not very good to make knives out of and very hard to do. So if you made one that really? worked, congratulations. 
Well, I can understand why they why they wouldn't make very good knives because they're just cast iron. I mean, ca- I don't know if you've tried to hone a cast iron edge and keep it sharp. It's nearly mm-hmm. impossible because it's pretty. It's not a I've great quality steel. Yeah, it's um, like mild steel or something. I yeah. don't know. So I, did we mention? Lori and I took a little vacation here a while back. And, we did. Okay. Yeah, and I made a I made a knife out of a. Yeah, because we cool. posted the picture and then you got. Funny story, the guy that owns the place where I did that is actually, I guess, either on the show or was on the show or whatever, and he says most of the show is BS. Oh, the Forge and Fire show? Yeah. Well, once Made again, for TV. I watch it in the background, yeah. so it's, you know, I'm not following it to follow it, yeah. but what was so, his name? We should look him up. Oh, gosh. I've... We'll do it later. Yeah. This is, that was really getting off topic, so sorry, everybody. If you're still listening, we well, got not off topic. Really? I mean... You're talking about a show that you watch in the background that's not Glee. That's not. Not Glee. That is correct. (laughs) Um, Right. Not Glee. That's the important part. Yeah. So next, I want to get on really quick to uh, to Fred sent us an email. Uh, He said, just listen to your episode about gas versus glow engines and was wondering why RC gas engines need a separate battery for ignition, but weed eater or chainsaw engines don't need a battery. Yeah. And I I answered that one, um, but I'll, I'll go ahead and talk a little bit about it now. So a weed eater or a chainsaw or whatever, um, when you buy them from the store and, and you don't modify them, which is what we sometimes do to, to make them... Uh, RC compatible? Compatible. Yeah, there you go. Um, so they run... They, they don't have any batteries on them when you buy them because they use a magneto uh, for the ignition. So they have a, a big flywheel with magnets embedded in it. The magnets pass over a... Uh, coil mm-hmm. and they generate a magnetic field and then they generate energy and that's, that's where they spark that's where they get their spark yeah so a lot of the gas engines i would say a majority of these days of the gas engines that we use in rc are converted or some form of converted um lawn implement motor um for rc use by the use of electronic ignition and it requires battery because we no longer have that big heavy flywheel and that's why we convert them um, to get rid of that big, heavy spinning mass at the end of the crankshaft, because we just, you know, the, number one, don't it's need heavy, the weight, and yeah. number two, it adds a lot of inertia, which affects our p factor and stuff like that, and gyroscopic precession that we talked about in the last episode. So, um, most of the gassers that are used in the hobby industry require batteries for the ignition because we use electronic ignition, which is much, much lighter. Well, lighter than like you're you're taking the mass, the rotating mass away with the flywheel being gone, but you're kind of replacing it with the propeller. So you still kind right. of have you do, yeah, you have some right. Yeah. But I, I'm pretty sure our propellers are much lighter than those big heavy. Oh, they are. Yeah, they're quite know, a bit lighter. Big, um, but that's still going to kind of work as a flywheel though to kind of keep yeah. the whole thing going. Yeah, we still have yeah we still have those those factors we talked about, but mm-hmm. um, that's why they require batteries because we have them converted for. Uh, electronic and capacitive you could, discharge ignition. You could, by the way, run it no problem on uh, on a magneto. Oh, absolutely! It and, would just and, be heavier, and, yeah, and people still do. Like yeah. on World War One type airplanes, like you know the big uh, Sopwith Camels and the Fokker triplanes. You know they have very very short noses. So a lot of times we get we have a hard time getting those airplanes to balance because we just physically can't get enough weight on those noses ahead of the CG to get them to balance. So in a situation like that, it's not a bad thing to have a big old heavy magneto ignition up there. Um, So you'll find that a lot of those types of airplanes will have engines that are not converted to CDI uh, for that reasons, because they, you know, they need all that weight up there. Yeah. uh, And may as well have it, you know, 
spinning, adding, you know, adding a nice smooth idle because that kind of a, a side effect of having a big heavy flywheel is you get a nice smooth idle usually. Yeah. Cause it keeps that keeps momentum going. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, and the short of it is most engines are converted, uh, to CDI, which requires batteries to run. And CDI is? Capacitive discharge ignition. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. That's that one. Next one. And last right. one, actually. I'll read the, I'll read one that uh, we got from Ron. Ironically, his name is Ron. Well, you know he's going to be right. Well, with a name <laughs> like Ron. Uh, he has to so be Ron right. says, uh, Ron and Tom, first, thanks for your podcasts. They are informative, engaging, and may I say comforting just to hear friends conversing with good humor and respect. Who's friends? Well, I don't know who he's talking about. I, oh. I don't have any friends. <laughs> uh, I'm a newcomer and have listened to three episodes so far, including the recent one on propellers. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that episode, by the way. Yeah. I can't wait to listen to it. Welcome to the podcast, by the way. Yeah, well, you lived it, so you don't have to listen to it. Right. Um, uh, First, he says uh, some confessions. He says he sands the tips to balance his electric propellers. Uh, In fact, some Hobby King props were so out of whack, he clipped the tip of them with scissors before sanding uh, to speed up the process. Um, Also, when first learning to fly, I broke lots of propellers on my slow stick even when using a prop saver, which you mentioned in the last episode. Yeah. Um, I started to glue back the blades at the hub with CA, um, a practice that I, I no longer do, although it worked. And fortunately, he never had a mishap. Uh, like that that sentence right there, I, I <laughs> went, wow. I wonder what size propellers, though. Understand. I, <laughs> I get it. They were probably small, slow flyer props. But uh, wow, I said slow flyer really fast there, and you can't and, say it at all. No, that's, um, thank you. But uh, slow flyer. Yeah, so he used to glue his props back together after. Uh, that's wow. Uh, second, he <laughs> says another good use for three bladed props are seaplanes. So the high mounted motors don't have to be so high mounted. Uh, he says he has a fly zone tidewater with a high mounted motor pod, and he wondered why they didn't design it around a three blade uh, so that the thrust line could be made lower. That is a very valid point. Uh, and then third, he says. If I heard correctly, I think Tom shared a theory of lift that is no longer widely supported. The long path or equal time theory that the flow path over the top of the curved surface of the wing is longer, causing the air to speed up and drop pressure. Uh, He's talking about the Bernoulli principle that I was talking about. Uh, He says a good general article on lift theory is found here, and he he gave me a link, and I read it. It's a very good read. Um, Maybe we'll post, maybe we can post that link on our website if other folks want to read it, maybe. You can you can post it on the forums. Uh, okay. If I remember, I'll do that. Make a note. Uh, he says, uh, I have also attached a list of lift theory references um, a, fellow, a fellow club member compiled and an article that he wrote for his club newsletter on the subject. Uh, thanks for the podcasts, Ron. Uh, first of all, I want to say thanks, Ron, for listening to our podcast. And, You're welcome. Uh, I, <laughs> the oh, Ron, not me. Sorry. The, the cool Ron. Oh. Um, Hey, wait so a thanks for listening, and uh, I appreciate the feedback. Um, I like uh, I like your um, your comment about the three blade. I think I said that right, didn't I? Three blade, three blade props on the on the um, seaplanes. That makes perfect sense to me, and I wonder why they don't all come that way too. What I really like though is when Tom gets called out for being wrong. So I appreciate that. Just saying. Where where was I wrong? The, the theory you were talking about is no longer supported. Well, he says, and the and the and the uh, the link to the Scientific American Journal uh, article that he that he linked to, um, they mention it, 
but they don't say that it's not not a a factor. Oh. He says that it's not widely supported. Oh, shucks. Okay. Well, so bottom line, uh, and I, I'm glad he. I'm glad he sent me the link and the stuff that he that he wrote and his, uh, his fellow club member put together. Uh, I read through all of that. And while I'd say for the most part, I agree with all of that, I still say that Bernoulli's principle is a factor. Um, now, the degree to which it's a factor, I mean, that's, you know, obviously. I'm still not familiar debate. really with Bernoulli's principle and everything you're talking about. All I know is when you spin something, it pushes the air backwards and that's what makes you go forward. Right. Um, so Bernoulli's principle, like the bottom line is, you know, when you, when you speed air or when you speed anything up, a fluid, even it applies to water, um, as you speed things up, it, it drops pressure. So like a Venturi, you know, obviously a Venturi is shaped, you know, kind of like, well, I'm having a hard time doing it with my hands, but you know what event it's, it's like the throat of a carburetor. It's a Venturi. So as air moves through that, it it speeds up and the pressure lowers at the throat. And then, you know, obviously on the backside of it, the air slows down and then the pressure comes back and rises. The theory of it is if you apply that to a wing, if you look at the upper surface of a of a of a regular cambered, you know, the cambered the surface of a of curvature of the top of a wing, and then if you could imagine another wing or or flat surface above it, right? It's a venturi. It's you know, it's it's an area of a of a large area down to a small area and then back up to a large area. So the theory is that as the air moves through that venturi, um, the pressure drops above that area. So now you have low pressure, and then because the flat or flatter bottom portion of the wing, the, the air has less distance to travel. And we'll get to this in a minute because it has to meet up with the same parcel of air at the trailing edge. It has to move faster or slower rather it doesn't have to move as fast because it has less area to travel so it creates or relatively speaking to the upper surface an area of higher pressure higher wants to go to lower so it pushes the wing up into the lower pressure and that's technically air quotes here lift two questions go ahead sorry how does a plane like that fly upside down then right and what about a symmetrical wing so <laughs> a standard, you know, a regular asymmetrical airfoil wing flies upside down because of the angle of attack that you have to fly it at, right? It, so it will only do that with enough power then? Airspeed. Well, sorry, you're right. And you have to have power to create the airspeed. Right. So you you compensate for, for the curvature of the wing by changing its relative angle to the oncoming air, you know, coming at it. That's called so the angle of attack. Right. So okay. at, like... To, to develop lift in the in the horizontal, you know, in the upright position, let's say the cord line runs, you know, perfectly horizontal and you've got the upper camber and then the, the flatter lower camber. It develops, let's say, 12 pounds of lift at the perfectly horizontal. To get the same amount of lift upside down, well, maybe you have to fly at a 10 degree angle to compensate for that. You know what I'm saying? I'm following you. So that's yeah. how that, a symmetrical airfoil, and this is what sometimes... Like I, I can kind of get it, and then sometimes it just baffles me. And I did see in his one of the articles that he uh, sent to us, um, there was a diagram of a symmetrical wing with what I would call boundary layer lines, you know, draw, drawn around the upper and lower surface. Mm-hmm. So 
at perfectly horizontal, like at a zero degree angle of attack, uh, it develops no lift because the air moving over the top is, is exactly the same as moving under the bottom. You don't have any angle of attacks. So you don't have that Newton's third law, you know, pushing, you know, if you're pushing air down, then you're pushing the wing up, blah, blah, blah. So at zero degrees, you're not generating any lift. And then at one degree, you develop 12 pounds of lift. At negative one degree, you develop negative 12 pounds of lift. So a symmetrical wing, theoretically, according to the article, and, and it kind of makes sense in my head, at zero degrees makes no lift. And it doesn't start making lift because the two are canceling each other out or it's just not making a lift because there is no pressure differential. It doesn't start making lift until you change the angle of attack relative to the... So then most wings would be mounted with the incidence of like one degree or something like that? More than likely. Why is the duelist zero degrees? I mean, it's it says on the plans. Right. If you look closely at the at the ribs, they're not symmetrical. They are they are just slightly off, and we fly the or we're going to fly the duelist at crazy high airspeeds, so we don't need no stinking incidents. I I did not <laughs> notice any difference in them, by the way. They're, they're it's slight, and even <laughs> the original the original. Craft big stick mm-hmm. 40 or 60 plan, uh-huh. same thing. Even though they look symmetrical, if you were to cut the rib in half and flip it over and lay it over top, well, you're laughing. You made them completely symmetrical, didn't you? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Well, I cut it in okay. half and just designed half of it and, and went over it. Yeah. It's okay. Like I said, when I flipped them over though, on the plan, they, they all lined perfectly. up. Yeah. Like, well, okay. So yeah. within within the exception of like, the the width of a uh, drawing line. Oh, okay. I mean, it's it's like there was yeah, no, there be. was no gaps or anything like that. So I'm, I'm I'm laughing, but I'm I'm thinking those are probably fairly symmetrical. Pretty symmetric. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I can't explain it then. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> you're supposed to fly at one degree at all times. Well, I mean, you'll you're we'll, always going to we'll, have a little bit. I guess. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, you have to overcome gravity, so there's, you're going to have to have you know. Some lift. sort. We'll figure so. it out. If these don't fly, then that was fun. Oh, they're going to fly. <laughs> I'm pretty confident. Anyway, Ron, thanks for contacting us. Uh, that was a very good read. Um, I appreciate that. And I really like it when when uh, when our listeners enlighten me. I like it when that happens. So that's cool. Well, we're not experts. Yeah. And I am certainly not opposed to changing my, my view on things. Nope. Prove it to us or send us some information and yep. I'm fine... Uh, moving my views somewhere else. <laughs> right. I mean, really. Exactly. So, um, I'll but follow yeah. the science. Uh, like I like I said, I I did enjoy the articles and the stuff that he put together was uh, well put together. So, again, uh, listener Ron, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, very good. Yep. Anything else? No, sir. That uh, that'll do it for me this evening. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Until next week, I'm Ron and I'm Tom. Good night. Good night. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the RC Plane Lab podcast. For topic suggestions, to ask questions, or to give any feedback, connect with us at rcplanelab.com or email us direct at either ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, may your landings be gentle.